Hi, welcome to Buy Every Word. I'm Lauren. I'm here with Lalitha and Colby, and today we are talking about Acts chapter 5. How are you, ladies? Doing well. Yeah, Hi. good. Thank you. Good. We're trying out our new microphones just for everybody at home. So this is feeling like we're on the radio or something, only we're trapped in rooms in our homes. So anyway, we're excited to discuss chapter 5 of Acts a rich and full chapter. We're going to divide our discussion into the three different sections of the scripture just to make it easier. First, we're going to tackle verses 1 through 16. Then we will look at 17 through uh, 26 and then 27 through the end of the chapter. So Colby is going to launch us. Colby? Yes. So last time we finished up chapter 4. And we saw how the church was growing, or the congregation, the apostles' message went out with great power, with miracles, with signs, people were with great joy. And, um, and as the power grew, so also grew um, some of the pressure from outside, from Pharisees and Sadducees, and we looked into that. But the chapter ended with the uh, little note here saying that the owners of the lands and houses um, were inclined to sell some of their things and bring the money to the apostles' feet. That was then to just um, supply for everyone who was coming together and make sure that no one had a lack and no one held back uh, for their own gain, but uh, they were, as it was said, one heart and one mind. Now we go into the Acts 5, and we see a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And uh, from the verse 1, it says, they sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back himself some of the proceeds and brought the money also at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And when we read this, then we're wondering, how did Peter know this, right? They did not come in and did not say, hey, this is only the part. There was something that Peter's sense was not right. And, um, and then Peter continued and says, when it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After it was sold, was it not your own? Saying, we are not really pressuring anyone to bring this money, but you are doing something that is not solid, that is not, uh, that is not right. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And later it says in the back end of four, verse 4, you have not lied to man, but to God. And what happens to Ananias is something that really shocks us. I think we're so ready for uh, the good news and the forgiveness and the joy and all. But what happens here in verse 4 is when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed, breathed his last breath. And great fear came upon all who heard it. And we, want to, we just wonder what, how come God is suddenly being so rough. He, the man did not even have the opportunity to answer to, to the uh, claims that Peter was doing. And we are seeing that Peter is saying that he lied to the Spirit in verse um, 9. It even calls the tempting of the Spirit. And um, this is now something when you look at the Old Testament, talking to God about the truth or when God speaks about the truth. In Deuteronomy 23, 21, it says, when you shall vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, meaning if you have said that you will do something for God, 
then you shall not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin for you. It says, now when, uh, when Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Then in some of the um, translations, it's actually saying, why have you suffered for Satan to fill your heart? Why have you accepted such a thought in your heart and give it so much ground that it has been uh, bore fruit in you? The idea here is that while you are not forced to bring uh, the money or the proceeds or the lands, but whatever you have said to God, that will stand and you are required to pay. Now, in, even though Peter personally had no gain in there, and Peter was only speaking through the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, that judgment came down very mightily. For us, it might be a question. I felt like this is a place where a lot of today's modern Christians would be, why is God so rough? What is the big thing here? But we know for sure that the enemy is the one who is to kill. Satan is the one who actually is to take a soul and to uh, destroy our lives while God is calling us to repentance. So we now have in the middle of this congregation, we have death. And this is something that causes fear, fear of God. Everyone knows that that was not the act of a person, not the act of Peter or apostles, but it was God himself who struck that man down. Now, three hours later, walks in Sapphira, his wife who has not seen anything yet. And the young men have carried his husband, her husband out. But Peter asked him, her as well, did you sell this land for this amount? And Sapphira, without thinking, says, yes, this was the amount. And Peter again says, behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she also falls down. And he's dead. A great fear, verse 11 says, came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. The fear of God. Now, ladies, I looked into the fear a little bit more because I've heard so much of um, a question, okay, are we fearful? Is it phobia? Is it something where we need to be absolutely non, not knowing what God does next? Is that kind of the fear of God? Or is it more just the happy reverence and happy friendship with a God, knowing that he is above us? And I found something really interesting when looking into what the Jewish rabbis have thought. And they say there is something called holy fear. And it is usually grabs our hearts when we are on the holy ground, when we are out of our normal, understandable world, and we are suddenly on the ground where we know God is present, and we are out of our own element. And think of the Moses with a burning bush, for instance. Or think of the time when, for me, it's the Grand Canyon of Arizona, when I stood there and I could not speak. My husband stood by me and I realized, again, we are tiny, we are limited, but God's might, God's grand scales, God's ways of thinking are way, way bigger when you look at the whole creation. And the Jewish rabbis say, this is the healthy fear of God that makes sure that you are not trying to overstep um, God's precepts, but that you are fearful of doing and wanting to be closest to him. So the fear does not push us away, but the opposite, it brings us actually closer.
Ladies, what are your thoughts here? We have two deaths in the span of three hours in the new baby church. You know, it's interesting when I encounter a, a situation like this where you're thinking, this seems so harsh or what is going on here? Um, you know, I know we're not supposed to take our own speculation and our own thoughts and put it on top of a passage, but we're trying to understand, you know, more about God from his word. And um, so if you don't mind, I'll just share a little of a process I went through and I'm still processing something, but it was fascinating to me. And it had to do with the fear of the Lord. Um, and it had to do with keeping back something that belongs to God. Um, the word kept back, the, the word in our passage means to separate for oneself, to withdraw covertly uh, and appropriate for one's own use. And there was a situation in the Old Testament where that came up. And so I went looking there and it was fascinating because we think sometimes that the sin was holding back, uh, you know, holding back something that belonged to him. But it didn't belong to him, really. It was about God. And the picture that came is from Joshua chapter 7. And interestingly enough, as I looked more into this, it kind of broadened. And I had a, sort of a picture in my mind of something new that God was doing, like he's doing here in Acts. Because in Joshua 7, they had just come in um, a couple chapters later. They crossed over the Jordan. Again, the waters parted and they walked through to the promised land. And um, Joshua was the new leader. Moses did not go in, as you remember. remember. And so um, Joshua was the new leader. And um, so he leads them across the Jordan. Um, and it's right before Passover. Um, they fear and revere him. God lifted him up and exalted him among the people. So they actually had a fear of him like they did Moses. Uh, then he circumcises the people because they weren't circumcised in there. So we have this picture of purifying of, the, of Israel once again to enter into God's promised land. Um, and it said even in, in, in uh, this passage, uh, this is before chapter 7, but it talked about the stain of Egypt was removed. So they celebrated Passover. And then God appears to Jacob, so the angel of the Lord, and we know it was him because he bowed down and uh, this angel was speaking to him. It was the Lord. It didn't, he didn't reject worship. We'll get into angels in a little bit. But he appears and he tells him, you're going to take, take Jericho and this is how you're going to do it. And so one of the things that he, that he proclaimed is you're not going to take any spoil. Everything in Jericho is dedicated, devoted to me. And you think about it, this is the first conquest mm. in the new land. This is the first fruits of that conquest. Everything that is the first fruit is belongs to God. It is his purely. And he gave all of the people, everything alive and the material possessions to be killed and then burned. But the gold, silver, iron, bronze, those items were to come into his treasury, but no one was to mm -hmm. touch. There was a ban. You're not to touch anything. Well, as yeah. we know, and this is the part that fascinated me, there was one man, his name was Achan, and he was tempted. He, he, was, he coveted a beautiful embroidered uh, garment, and he took it, and he took silver, and he took gold, and he hid it under his mm -hmm. tent. And when God, um, when God knew that, and Israel came against the city of Ai and they were beaten. And Joshua goes back and says, what's going on, God? You're with us. You told us we're, you know, you're with us. And God said, oh, no. Yeah. He says that they broke faith. 
the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel because mm -hmm. of, because one man did this. It's an interesting thing how God considered Israel one body, one man. And here we have the church unified as one body in Christ. So there's a picture here that we as a body need to be pure for God. It's not about your life and my life. We're not, it's not all about you and I. It is about us as the body of Christ, because everything we do or say when we have the spirit of God in us and we're not supposed to be walking as his holy nation, his, 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 his holy people, his royal nation, his holy people, um, we are supposed to be obedient and pure so that we can have his presence go with us in power. And until this happened, he was with, it, with power with his people. So he basically says, Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant. That I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among, among their own belongings. Therefore, the people Israel cannot stand before their enemies. This is from verses 11 through 13, chapter 7 of Joshua. And yeah. he, told, he told Joshua, you need to go through tribe by tribe, family by family, until this person is identified and all these things are need to be burned, all of them. And it fell to Achan. And at the last, right when he was identified, Joshua begged him, I beg you to confess to, your, to mm. the Lord. And he did. He confessed to the Lord his sin. And then him, his household, and all these items he stole were all burned, destroyed. Right. And it, the picture was just powerful to me that the people needed to understand that they are one people under God. And God is the one who is working in their midst and purity and holiness is important. The other part of it was that Joshua was their new leader. He was the new anointed leader in place of Moses. Jesus, if you remember, said, Peter, you're the one who's going to, I'm on this, I'm going to build my church and you're the one who's going to be the leading person in this to start. And so we have an interesting picture here that when you touch what belongs to God, and like you said, Colby, when we vow something is God's, it's God's. We can't go back on that. And what Ananias and Sapphira did is they sold the monies and brought the monies to the, to right. the apostles and said, this is, what, this is the land money. This is what we got for our land. That was a lie because they got more. They, they lied not, to the Holy Spirit, yes. lied to the God himself. Yes, yes. They, 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 they did that. So you it, know, I found an interesting picture in that. Thanks yeah. for giving me time to share that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome, actually. Um, so Hebrew 10, 28 and 29 says, uh, and contrasts the mo law of Moses and saying that anyone who has set aside the law of Moses, Moses dies without mercy if you have evidence of two or three people. But then it says, how much worse is the punishment for those um, who have profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. So in Hebrews, the writer says, we are now dealing with a consuming fire. You are, uh, you are facing God in his spirit as a third person of Godhood, right? Godhead. And we have that presence in the church. And again, Peter was revealed by the Holy Spirit what was happening. He had no facts. He was not there when Ananias and Sapphira were kind of conceding to each other and trying to make that plan. To me, you know what is also interesting, I think as a women's Bible study, I sometimes wonder how much uh, 
grace and goodness is here that actually Sapphira got also the uh, opportunity to answer. Yes, you know, did. Sapphira could have been a person who says, hey, my husband decided it was done deal. I had no word there. But the Holy Spirit says, how did you together with him agree? And in this case, it was not good. Uh, the result was not good because Sapphira apparently was an active part of it. But uh, it also says and shows us that we have the freedom to walk in God's light, even when we're in un unfair marriages. I just want us all to know that um, the Lord gives you opportunity to answer what you do. And again, his goal for you is the repentance. I, I very much believe that if Sapphira would have said, oh, Lord, give me mercy and grace. I do not want to die here. I know holiness himself. God himself is here. Uh, I have done wrong. He would have, not, she would have not died, right? Mm -hmm. We know that he wants everybody to turn and get the grace and his kindness is what turns us. So in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, when God himself introduces himself to Moses, he says, I am your God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness uh, and so on and so on and so on. So when we see God's immediate judgment on willing sin in his camp. We should not deduct that he has lost his mercy and grace. We should trust on his righteousness. And as the ladies, when we hear this lesson, that we would not be fear-filled with um, doubts toward God, but rather pull him closer and see that he is the all-consuming fire that cannot be played with, but who is always righteous, always true. And we can trust that every judgment is right. Um, so just to just to bring that home too. All right, before we go on to the next section, I just want to mention too about the fact that in verse 13 now, again in 12, it says many signs and wonders were regularly done among the apostles or by the hands of apostles among people. They were always together and none of the rest dared to join them but people held them in high esteem. So here we now see then the result of the power of God known among men, where people do not come in and just, it's, it doesn't sound very seeker friendly in that way. It's not like everybody can walk in and say what they think of things. People held a little bit aside unless they wanted to become and fully give their lives, lives over to God and Jesus Christ. So mm -hmm. his name was glorified with great power. Now it goes so far that we see in uh, verse 15, it says, people would carry out sick to the streets in cots and mattresses and beds and lay them out wherever there was space so that maybe just even the shadow of the apostles or Peter would fall on them because that would heal. And that reminds me of the Old Testament too. You know where um, Ezekiel's bones you're talking about Ezekiel who was dead. And there is this account of uh, people uh, burying someone else actually to the ground. Let me see if I have a notes for this. If not, I will put that into the notes for you uh, under the video. And what happened was uh, there was an army who tried to attack them and they dropped those bones on the, on the grave of Ezekiel. And the man rose up again. Also, you see the vision of the dead bones where the whole valley of the army is standing up in the presence and in, by the power of the Lord. 
and we we see in the book of Acts, even in the com, um, chapters to come too, how handkerchiefs were healing people or and laying the hands. If you think of the laying of the hands, so it is definitely something that gets carried from one to another in a mighty way, and people would know it. And the unpure spirits also were cast out. And this is a thing I think we have not talked that much about. But uh, Jesus in his ministry, a lot of times had to deal with impure or unholy or demonic spirits that were uh, bothering and uh, bringing ailments to people. And oftentimes the healing followed right after Jesus would cast out um, the unholy or impure spirit, the people would also get healed. So these are the things that you would see when when God's power is really moving among the people. Any thoughts here, ladies? Yeah, um, Kulvi, I, I just want to add that just like you said, God is an awesome and holy and righteous God. And we see here that he is not to be trifled with. And even in our 21st century, we might not see, uh, you know, a judgment that is taking place like, you know, in the, in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, because we see people even who claim to be Christians and they sin and we do not see them facing God's immediate judgment. But that does not give us uh, the license to just live as we want, because as we know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's right. where it all starts, yes. that we need to fear the Lord. And it's only when we fear the Lord that we will live lives that are righteous before him. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. You know, with fire, uh, that's uh, Lalita, that thought comes to me. Fire is so useful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's how we are warm. That's how we cook. That's how we make our homes cozy. All of it is good. But once it's, if it is a wrath of God, then that same fire can be very, very dangerous and all consuming. And that's the Holy Spirit in us. It is an amazing life-giving force. But if you are the enemy, then it can also sniff you out too. So we need to remember those things. And rather than over um, glancing it, I think it, we would do very well if we meditate on it and, and maybe look into the scriptures and ask the Lord mm -hmm. to show where we can uh, more consider his ways and trust him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Are we ready to move on to the next section? Sure. Yep. Okay. Lalitha. Okay. Yeah. This, this whole chapter is so loaded with uh, that you, that one can go on talking about so many different aspects, uh, but uh, from verses 17 through 26, we see here that people were being added to this new body of believers and they saw that miraculous healings and deliverances were taking place. And we see here also in verse 17 that the high priest and the Sadducees who were with him were filled with indignation and jealousy. Um, you know, they saw that Peter and the apostles were already commanding more respect than they had ever received. The difference, however, was that the religious leaders demanded respect and reverence for themselves. The apostle's goal, however, was to bring respect and reverence to God. And so what did they do? We see in verse 18, they arrested them and, and put them in a public prison. But an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And what instructions did the angel give them? He said, go stand and speak in the temple all the words of this life. 
the angel told them to do the very thing that had gotten them imprisoned. The apostles were full of obedience. In uh, the apostles' full obedience is noteworthy. For early in the morning, they were in the temple again, preaching about this new life in Christ. Just a word here about angels. We see throughout the Bible that God has used angels to carry out his purposes. In Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21, it says, Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you, his hosts, who minister and who do his pleasure. These verses show God's purpose for his angels. Angels exist to serve God in five ways. To bless the Lord in worship and service to do his word concerning activities on the earth, to heed the voice of God's word as it is spoken throughout the saints in the earth, to, um, to minister through the saints on the earth, to minister on God's behalf as described in Hebrews 1.14 where it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And fifthly, to do God's pleasure. His heavenly hosts are at his direction. And then we see here in verse 21, the high priest and his council sent officers to the prison to bring the apostles out so they could examine and punish them. But the officers returned reporting that not only were the apostles not in the prison, but the prison doors were found locked with the guards standing in front. Remember, the angel had opened the prison doors. So obviously the angels had closed the doors behind them. Mm. And then verse 25, we see, then one of their people came and told the elders, and they said, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And verse 26 says, then the captain and the officers brought them without violence this time, because remember the first time they arrested them and just threw them in jail. But this time, uh, it says that the captain and the officers brought them without violence because they feared the crowd. They feared that the crowd would get agitated and stone them. So we see that that God is already beginning to work um, in, in them in, in a different way. And through that, we see God's purposes being carried out. God works very strongly on behalf of his church. Yes, and, um, and it behooves us who are his children and uh, we who are filled with his spirit to align ourselves with his purposes on this earth. Amen. It's amazing to me. I would think if I had the experience of being let out of prison by an angel and then told to go preach, that would be one of the first things I want to tell them because <laughs> they all saw them getting arrested most likely. Mm -hmm. And here they are at the crack of dawn out there preaching. And there is what they say is uh, go out and preach of this life. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like talk about this life, the resurrection mm -hmm. life, the power life, the repentance life, the knowing yes. God life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. The God is our provision life because God was being their provision That's through right. all of this. Very powerful. Miraculous yeah. provision, not just the yeah. healing and deliverance, but the mm -hmm. fact that he's setting loose his people mm -hmm. to do his work. And, you know, as we know, God can 
set people free to do his work and God can keep people in jail to do his work as he does. We'll see with Paul later on, right? Yes, that's it's right. All, it's God's purposes and it's not all about us. That's what I got again. It's not all about us because um, like Lalitha and I were talking about this. If God didn't set them free to go and do their own thing, you can go and hide for them you, so you don't get arrested again. No, they went and they did what God instructed them to do. That was what they were told by That's God. Why they and were they that, gave, mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, we must obey God rather than men, right? It, because yep. they're wondering, you know what? The world is wondering, we, didn't we threaten you? Didn't we tell you that you will be in trouble? No one would do it except if God is filling them. And that is yes. the mystery for the world. But for them, it was clear. That was the only way to live. Indeed. And of course, now here they are. They're about ready to get round up. They're rounded up again. And they're brought before the council. Been here before. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, the high priest Caiaphas is like, we gave you strict orders, did we not? Not to continue teaching. And uh, I lovely says here, behold, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And we can understand because they were very much opposed to everything that these folks were teaching because the Sadducees didn't believe in any of this, there's no. no supernatural, there's no afterlife, there's no spirits, there's no demons, so all of this. Um, and he says, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And I thought, wow, wow, here we are. These are the men who are guilty. They brought the blood upon themselves when they, they and all the people said, you're cursed beyond us and our children. They brought that on themselves. These mm -hmm. are perpetuated the people to ask for Christ to be crucified. They wanted him. They murdered him. They killed him. And Peter does say that. He says, we have to obey God rather than men. And then he starts teaching about Jesus. I, it's interesting. He says that God of our fathers, mean we have the same God, raised up Jesus who you murdered by hanging on a tree. And God exalted him to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. I looked into this a little bit more because, you know, we have all our Christian lingo. and We know what he meant. But the word prince means a chief leader, author, captain, prince. That's from the definition on, in the Strong's there. And I thought he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the captain of our salvation. And he's the prince of peace. And he is king of kings and lord of lords. So we have a yeah. true depiction of who he is with a capital P for prince and savior, deliverer, preserver, and savior. Um, he's exalted both as Lord and Savior. It's, it's very fitting that he said both of these words here, those titles, because for us, he has to be both Lord and Savior, or he can't be one or the other. And that's something that I think, uh, you know, in our church that might be, not our church, specifically yes. Valley Church, I'm talking the church, because I think mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who claim Jesus as Savior, they have their fire insurance, and they don't honor him as Lord. And I, that Lord makes it very clear we can't do that. That is not true salvation. Obedience. Obedience. Yeah, actually, that's when I looked at the verse 32, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy yep. Spirit, yep. whom God has given to those who, what, obey, yes, him. obey him. And that's when they get really raged, yep. right? They feel like, okay, are you saying that we are not obedient? Or are you saying we don't have the Spirit of God? Or what are you saying? And they literally go after them, yep. wanting to kill and that's yeah, the, yeah, is what you were just saying, the obedience and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a good, the, that's a picture here. Uh, their response um, is a picture of the idea of what Paul, oh, Peter says that, that we have Christ is exalted as Prince and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. If we think about what repentance means, Repentance is actually a gift from God. If you look at scripture, okay, 
it's the ability to repent and what we do is a gift, but what we do with it is, is up to us. So the example is if you hear the truth and it's delivered to a receptive heart versus a hard heart, the receptive heart will hear it, be convicted and, and, and confess and ask forgiveness, but the hard heart will not receive it. And we've got these yes. men here who have hard hearts not receiving it. Jesus spoke to them specifically when he was on the earth and called them out for what they were. He talked about their hearts. You know, you, your, your words, you worship me with your words, but your heart is far from me. Um, and I thought about David with Jonathan. You know, when David sinned and Jonathan gave him the example of a sheep uh, that was stolen, a precious sheep, and he knew exactly what Jonathan was talking about because God convicted his heart. The first thing he said is, I have sinned against God. We have a soft heart. Right. But here, these Sadducees, these Pharisees, these men are so filled with violent indignation, they reject the truth. And we'll see that in two chapters when they, when they actually stone Stephen to death because it gets so wild, they actually come upon him as one man. Um, so it's interesting. They're accusing Peter of trying to bring the, the blood of Jesus on them. And uh, here we are. But the idea of repentance... Yeah having that sincere, uh, you know, conviction. Um, Paul talked about that. He says, do you, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. That's from Romans chapter two, verse four. The whole chapter is wonderful on this. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. And then we have a picture also of the process, which I don't always think we're aware of. This is all a gift of God, really that, um, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, so we have an awareness of the truth and we can be convicted by it, they may come to their senses, wake up and recognize your sin, and then escape the snare of the devil. We realize that we are held Amen. in sin and in bondage, and then we can, be, we can come to God. We can turn. Right. Um, that's from 2 Timothy 2. Um, 24 and 26. Yeah. But it forgiveness is also that gift. And that was purchased by Jesus Christ on the cross. So he's the one who grants us repentance, but it's the Holy Spirit here who brings conviction on the hearts that are going to hear and listen the word of God and receive the truth about themselves and about the Lord. And this is what these men were having a hard time to do. So as you mentioned, he says that we, we are witnesses of these things the fact that Jesus is the one who was chosen by God, exalted to his right hand, which means the seat of power, okay, and authority and honor. Um, and so is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those who obey him. So the Holy Spirit is also a witness. And I thought about this. There are scriptures that talk about this, and it's important. I don't think we think uh, about it this way, but the Holy Spirit um, bears witness to Jesus Christ, his exalted position and as Lord and Savior. Um, in John 15, 26, and in John 16, 14, we see that one, that he will testify of Jesus. That's what Jesus said, that when he comes, when I go to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, and he will testify of me. And then in John 16, 14, it says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we have some of the role of the Holy Spirit in terms of bearing witness. Um, but as you know, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit once he departed and was exalted to heaven. So the very fact that the Holy Spirit is now come in this situation right here and is bearing witness to the truth of who Jesus is with strong emboldened words powered by the Holy Spirit and amazing miraculous works 
because he is doing that, he is actually bearing witness to the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. Because he said, once I get up there, I'll send him down here. And these people have the witness in themselves. We see that also, that um, we will have him in ourselves. Romans talks about that. Let me find my reference. First John uh, 5, 6 through 10 talks about that. And then Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. And it talks about, um, what, about Christ coming as God in the flesh and in First John 5, verse 6, it says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So it is an, it's, it's a fascinating. The Holy Spirit is, as you said, Colby, he's the third person of the Trinity. You can't lie to someone who's not a someone. And you, you can't have someone as your witness who's not a someone. The Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit um, is a person. And, you know, so it's, 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 it is amazing how this is developing. Any thoughts yeah. on that before I continue? Well, I just love that Peter suddenly knows all these things. That fisherman who has not gone through very high <laughs> I know, theological right? school, but suddenly by the Spirit, he's saying those things that we now know are pure theology, uh, but God himself revealing those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and the other place what I was uh, looking at too is where Jesus sends out his disciples in Mark 16, he says... Uh, so it's to us as well, go into all the world, proclaim, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And we see now in this chapter then how this split becomes so contrasting, so opposite, how some hate it and some love it and give their lives to the Lord. And uh, again, just thirsting to see this in today's world as well. You know what? The light will become brighter when the darkness is darker and uh, the Lord's power will be more manifest among us. Mm -hmm. Lalitha, did you have something you were going to say? Yeah, I was just beginning to say the other thing is that Peter himself was not without fault in the sense, you remember when he denied Christ three times. Um, That's right. So it's not like he said, uh, like he was, a, I'm, I'm a perfect guy and you all have made, uh, you know, you all messed up. He he's coming from a history of having messed up himself. But I, I believe like the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling all the believers, this, uh, you know, it was different from when Jesus was present. And uh, then after Jesus's ascension, and when the Holy Spirit came and indwelt yeah. all the believers, this was like lying to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much in this passage yeah. but we're we're ticking down on time so if you're yeah. if you're okay i'll go ahead and continue to the last section yeah. um, so it says that when they heard this they were cut to the quick or cut to the heart uh the word here means to be sawn through mentally to be rent with vexation to exasperate meaning cut to the heart so they were they were livid <laughs> but mm -hmm. a pharisee named gamaliel uh, a teacher of the law who was respected by all people, he stood up in the council and he, he said, put these guys outside, we need to chat. Um, <laughs> now, here we, here we have a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisee is, Pharisees were another sect of the Jews, and they believed pretty much everything that the Sadducees didn't. They did believe uh, in the written law, but they also believed in the oral tradition and the teaching of Moses and the prophets. So they believed... Um, in the existence of good and evil spirits of an afterlife. They expected a Messiah. 
They believe the dead would be recalled to life by the Messiah, um, you know, after the penalty of for sin was was paid according to individual deeds, and um, so they were much more uh, focused on God as the head of their people versus kind of relating to Greeks or Romans or whatnot, which is what the Sadducees did. So it was much more of a religious group, but they were very self-righteous. Um, and so we have some of that that Jesus spoke of. But this man um, is mentioned uh, in the context of being the person who Paul sat under as a teacher. So we'll see his name mentioned again later. Um, and he had a great influence in the Sanhedrin. He was a rabbi, meaning a doctor of the law. He was one who interpreted the law and had studied it. So he's very well respected. So he stands up and he gives them wisdom. Um, apparently there have been other leaders who have come up and rounded up disciples and started doing things that bothered, uh, bothered the, uh, the status quo and the leadership. And they all fell to nothing because God was not with them. And so it's a good picture, isn't it? He warns them. In the present case, I say, stay away from them and leave them alone. Because if this is of men, it's going to fail. But if it's of God, you don't want to be found fighting against Amen. God. You're not going to win that fight. And he had the wisdom to know that. He had a reverence of God. Um, but they, they did take his advice and they flogged them. Um, they, <laughs> they still had to flog them just they in did. case. <laughs> yeah, I looked up flogged and that can, that can mean like Jesus was flogged. You know, it means to fillet skin kind of in one aspect. So I don't know what kind of flogging they got. I don't think they got the 39 lashes, but they did get flogged, which their, their Lord and Savior had also gotten flogged um, only to a greater degree. But then they went out rejoicing and praising God that they were considered worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. Um, and I think about I think about that, given everything that they had encountered, everything that their arrest, their, beat, their beating, being on trial, being hated by the religious uh, leadership, um, they were recognizing everything that Jesus suffered. We are now suffering. This is like, we are walking like Jesus. He said, follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross. And they were experiencing this. And the, the, the verse that says, that all who live righteous in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yes. In a sense, this persecution verified and validated the fact that they were watching, walking rightly in Christ Jesus in righteousness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you, if you would be of this world, the world would like you, they would understand you, they would love you. But since you are not of this world, they will not um, receive you. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus, but the great joy in them, right? Because yes. of God's approval. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So to, um, if you had to sum up in one sentence, what is the biggest thing you got from this section? What would you say, Lalitha? I would say don't trifle with God. He is holy and righteous. And because he is holy and righteous, he, he expects uh, his children to be holy and righteous as well. Amen. Amen. How about you, Colby? Yeah, same one. Same. But definitely the fire, you know, when you think of that fire, it's an amazing thing. We could not live without it. But mm -hmm. once it is rageous, then it can wipe us off as well. So yes. better be that in reverence and awe. And the other thing that God's righteousness is trustworthy. I believe yes. that instead of thinking, why would he do this? We should say, okay, why would he do this? We should learn to seek his ways rather than oppose or think that we know better. Right. Yeah. Yes. And same thing for me. I think the fear of the Lord is the beginning of a lot of things, 
not, you know, it's wisdom, knowledge, but it's also the beginning of walking rightly with him and his Amen. eyes are on those who fear him. So the fear of the Lord is something I think to ponder more deeply in our study, just individually. And as we, as we continue, because obviously when you're walking in the fear of the Lord, then he is, he is your God and you are his people. You know, the picture is, is pretty amazing of God's faithfulness Amen. to his people. So, all right. Thanks ladies. Thank you all for joining us. And I hope you have a great week.